This morning, I have a message of hope. Things have got to change. We've known that for a long time, but here we are. Chaos, unrest, sickness, separation, it's hard to be hopeful. But this morning, we'll see that when our hearts are open to God, we can know that things will be okay. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Sam Cooke wrote these words late in 1963. He was already a success in the mainstream, mostly white fans, even though he was black. In October of that year, he'd made reservations at a hotel in Louisiana. He and his wife and his brother's family arrive. The clerk sees that they're all black folks. He didn't know that when he'd taken the reservation over the phone. Sorry, no vacancy. Humiliated and enraged, they leave. But when they get to the downtown hotel, the police are there. He's arrested for getting too upset. There's an article about it in the New York Times the next day. That experience tempted Cook with hopelessness. Shouldn't things have changed by now? How long will it have to go on like this? Many folks are asking the same questions today for a variety of reasons. Shouldn't things have changed by now? Sam Cooke had hope, even though change seemed impossibly far off. So he wrote, a change is going to come. And performed it February 7th, 1964, Friday night, live on The Johnny Carson Show. His manager convinced him it was what our nation needed to hear in this moment. Even though it was a real risk, it could end his career getting political like that. Listen to what he said. I wanted to write a song that would make my father proud. All these years later, we still need his confidence. It's been a long time coming, but we believe a change is going to come. Listen, when things aren't right and change is hard, the only way you keep working for it is when you have a proper hope. Tomorrow, our nation will celebrate the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr., this morning, he's going to help us see what it looks like when a person who trusts Jesus keeps working hard for change, even when it seems like nothing good is coming. When a Christian persists because he possesses the gift of God's hope. This is Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here is an inspiring promise that comes with a clear condition. The promise first. These words were spoken at a time when change had to come. Goodness had become rare in Israel. There were little bits here and there, but instead of standing out like lights in the darkness, 
God's people spread the darkness just like everyone else. There was no justice or mercy, hardly any peace. So change had to come. And the way God would make it happen was through his people, planted and thriving, bearing good fruit in the world, working hard for change, but change is hard to work for. It takes a long time. And when there's resistance, you get tired. It's hard to keep on going. And right here is where this promise is so inspiring. When you put yourself to work to bring about God's change and you find yourself exhausted, your strength will be renewed. Even though it's draining every day and you don't have enough, God will supply the energy required. God promises that you will mount up with wings like eagles. The trouble here on the ground and the danger and chaos won't trap you. God will give you the ability to rise above it all, soaring like a bird in the air, looking down on the challenges rather than being swept away by them. God promises that you will run and not be weary. If there are miles ahead of you and you're tired, God will supply the stamina to keep at it, to run without giving up. And if it gets so hard that you can't keep running, God promises that you will walk and not faint. One foot in front of the other, you will be able to keep going. The persistence required to bring about the change that has to come will be supplied by God himself. That is God's promise. To the people of Israel then, and through Christ to all who choose faith today. That's the promise. Now, what about the condition? Listen carefully. This promise is for those who wait for the Lord. Those who put their hope in him, trusting him, and then responding to every one of life's challenges out of that trust, waiting on him in whatever trouble you face, hope in God, even when it seems like change is slow, and believe it will come. He will enable you to persist. That's the promise. How does it work? Let's learn from Pastor King this morning. In the late 50s, Martin Luther King Jr. was serving as a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama. The bus boycott was behind him, but his dream of racial harmony was still many miles ahead. In the spring of 59, he preached a sermon to his congregation called Shattered Dreams. Listen to the first line. One of the most agonizing problems within our human experience is that few, if any of us, live to see our fondest hopes fulfilled. He's not a pessimist. He's a realist. Every Christian lives with God-given dreams that don't seem to materialize. Like Abraham's vision of a promised land that he never gets to settle in. Or the Apostle Paul's hope to go to Spain with the gospel in person 
or even Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, not to have to drink the cup of judgment on the cross, every disciple will experience it. For Pastor King, it was the dream of the beloved community where white and black folks finally worked together for good. Years earlier, it seemed within reach, but now it was impossibly far off again. So what should a person do in this world of unrealized dreams? King describes the three most common responses. First is bitterness. When hopes don't materialize, failures are internalized and then retained, and then frustrations harden into resentment toward the people around you and eventually toward God too, so your personality is scarred and your soul is poisoned. I wonder, have you been tempted with bitterness in light of the disappointments that are behind us? I know some folks who have. Second response is withdrawal. Instead of holding on to pain, it's pushed aside. Avoided, denied, out of sight, out of mind. Walls go up and isolation follows, along with indifference, so that pain is gone, but so is the capacity for joy and the passion to keep working for change. That also goes away. Do you know that experience? Disconnecting, avoiding. The third response is fatalism. Deciding to believe that what happens is inevitable, determined by necessity, so there's no use in fighting it or wishing it were otherwise. For some religious folks, this is like believing everything that happens must have followed God's will and plan exactly, even acts of evil and malice carried out by sinful people abusing their God-given freedom. The outcome of fatalism is to become a passive spectator of the life that unfolds before you. Checking out. Just an observer letting it all happen with no more effort to resist. Bitterness, withdrawal, and fatalism. All three of them common and all three of them unworthy of the Christian because all three end in the same place. Resignation, giving up, tapping out of the work required to bring about the change that we can see so clearly needs to come. There's a fourth option, which is the right one for Christians. And it's open to anyone who's willing to transfer his hope from whatever else he's been resting in to the God who created and loves us all. Listen, here's how to face shattered dreams. The answer lies in our willing acceptance of unwanted and unfortunate circumstances, even as we still cling to a radiant hope. Our acceptance of finite disappointment, even as we adhere to infinite hope. Your troubles are finite. God is infinite. Hold on to him, hope in him, and then keep on working and keep on trusting. Change is going to come. God is completely worthy of your trust. He is the one who works all things together for good for those who love him, whose hearts are turned toward him and open to his call. Even the disasters and failures of mankind aren't enough to ultimately thwart his good purposes. He's ready to weave the mess into a new and beautiful pattern where the change he wants comes about in time. 
It will be slow and it will be hard work, but we will persevere when we choose to trust him. Isaiah promised it. Those who wait on the Lord can rest in his power. We can go on one foot in front of the other all the way to the end. King had to put this sermon into practice from the day he preached it until the day he died because he was a dreamer who didn't get to experience most of what he dreamed of. We all know about his dream for racial equality, a world where his children would grow up and be judged on the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. King worked tirelessly for the peaceful and cooperative pursuit of his dream, black and white folks working together to embody God's value for all people. There was progress, but so much resistance too. His hope was placed in the Lord, so he persisted. He also dreamed about global peace. We hear less about this one. As a follower of Jesus, he believed that we should never seek security through violence. Another frustrated dream. The conflict in Vietnam was complicated. Folks in our country were divided, but for him the issue was easy. War is wrong because Jesus taught nonviolence. So he worked at that too, and that made him unpopular, but he kept at it. He also dreamed about the end of poverty. No more starvation the equitable distribution of food resources. Again, it was his faith in Jesus who taught his followers to look out for the most needy and vulnerable. And though he saw little progress, he went on hoping and working. He persisted because his hope was placed in the Lord who enabled him to keep at the race. And here is where he is a witness to us right now. We should have God's dreams. And even if they seem impossibly far away, we should persist as we wait on God, hoping in him. We should believe, as Sam Cooke sung, that change is gonna come. Turn your attention inward for a moment. What are you hoping for? Where do things need to change for you? Maybe the first thing that comes to mind feels small compared to the troubles out there in the world. Don't set it aside yet. God's promises are for the little dreams that you have in the four walls that you live in right now. Maybe your family moved across the country this summer. Your dream is for community and it's so hard to meet new people right now. Don't give up. Work for it. Wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. Maybe being shut in with your parents has been too much. You feel so confined. You need relief. You need understanding and acceptance. God's promises are for you. Put your hope in him and he'll give you the strength to keep going. Whatever your personal challenge is, if you've been tempted with bitterness or withdrawal or just checking out because you feel powerless, don't do it. Set your hope on God instead, and he will empower you to keep working for change. The same is true for the broader problems, way bigger than us, not bigger than God. We want to see a shift towards civility and kindness in politics. Seems impossible. Don't give up hope. A change is going to come. 
We want to see honesty and integrity in the people who are in positions of leadership, especially those who identify as Christians. A change is going to come. It may be a long time, but we should believe it and hope for it and work for it too. We are ready for the church in America to repudiate the unholy mixture of nationalism blended with faith in Jesus, who teaches his followers that greatness is demonstrated in humble service of others, not winning, in welcoming all people, not only our people, in a willingness to suffer for doing what is right, not forcing our will on others. We are longing to see people with different views finally come together. An end to the mystical power of the echo chambers we've put ourselves in that separate us into alternative worlds that have nothing to do with reality. We dream of a world where people who do what's wrong have to face fair consequences, no matter how rich or powerful they are. We long for justice that is not distributed differently according to race or creed, or economic strength, or political standing. Is it too much to hope for? If these dreams are our dreams, then who knows? But if God gives them as the vision for his kingdom, then as his people, we should rest in him, persist in hope, and go on working with the power that he supplies as long as we can. Maybe we'll see these dreams materialize with our own eyes. Maybe not. But we should be hopeful either way. April 3rd, 1968. King is in Memphis, Tennessee, speaking about justice for the laborers, calling for unity and peaceful protest. He challenges the politicians to live up to their ideals for all people. Again, he's working for his vision, almost a decade since his sermon on shattered dreams. And at this point in his life, he knows two things for sure. The dreams he has are God's dreams. And there is no way to know if he'll ever see them realized. But that doesn't stop him because he trusts God. Listen to how he put it on that day. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. This was the last speech he ever gave. He was assassinated the very next day. I just want to do God's will. That is just the right thing to want. All of us should want that. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy. Tonight, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming 
of the Lord. That means I'm waiting on the Lord. That my hope is in him and nothing else. Not my own strength, not in the power of any organized group of people, but in the Lord who created heaven and earth. And that's why I'm confident. This is what it looks like when someone hopes in the Lord and goes on working for change, no matter how challenging the road is. Oh, thank God for a witness like Martin Luther King Jr. Things have got to change for us in this low valley that we're in. We've known it for a while now. It's been a long, long time coming. But I know a change is going to come. Because God is with us here and now in this valley. Trust him. And don't be afraid of anything anymore. Keep dreaming and keep working. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much for your promises that when we put our hope in you, you will give us every bit of strength we need to go on doing the work that you've set before us. On this day, we thank you especially for your faithful servant, Martin Luther King Jr. We praise you for his example. We praise you for the work he did. We praise you for his teaching, for how it opens your word to us. God, would you please sow new seeds of hope into our hearts, protect us from turning away from trouble in bitterness or in detachment or with some kind of fatalistic resignation. But instead, inspire us to go on hoping in you, whose love and grace and power is infinite. Teach us to trust and believe. Empower us to go on working. And fill us with your hope now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.